Welcome to Habits for your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so that you have the courage to live your very best life. I'm Rebecca Mullen, a relationship coach living in Western Colorado, and today we'll focus on one of the biggest reasons people decide to start coaching with me, building boundaries. You'll get a simple habit to practice that allows you to see how, instead of building a clean boundary, you might be sending mixed signals. Then, in our date night discussion, I'll offer you some prompts so you and your sweetheart can talk about those mixed signals you might be sending. Today's episode comes straight out of my new book, Six Steps to Better Marriage Communication. In the last five episodes, we've been going through those steps one by one. Overcome fear. Get clear. Ask cleanly. Beware. Conditions. Affirm lovingly. And today we'll finish up by talking about how you can build boundaries to improve your relationship communication. Do you know how to set a clean boundary or are you sending mixed signals? Many people who coach with me do so because, oh, I need to learn how to set some clean boundaries. And then we talk about their fears. And then they get clear about what they want. I mean, really, truly clear. Clear enough to ask cleanly. They see how they've been loving conditionally, and they unravel that whole tangled mess. They learn to affirm their sweetheart because we often take our sweetheart for granted. And after we've done all of that, mostly the boundaries take care of themselves. There's usually just one or two little niggling things where their sweetheart is honestly, if unintentionally, violating my client's boundaries. How about you? Have you investigated all the other steps to improve your marriage communication? For a boundary to feel loving, you need the investment of those first five steps. Boundaries fail because you aren't yet truly clear about what you want or because your fears are still running the show. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Enough. I've warned you that step six is to be taken only into consideration after you've dug in deeply to the other five steps. Now, let's talk about why you still might need a boundary. If you and your sweetheart have made an agreement and your sweetheart isn't living up to the terms of that agreement, a boundary is your way of saying, I'm worth it. This is my standard for how I will be treated in this relationship. You need a boundary where your sweetheart isn't willing or able to accept responsibility for what is clearly theirs. A boundary is clear and consistent. A boundary tells you and your sweetheart that the love you share respects both of you. A boundary doesn't mean you stop loving your sweetheart or that you love them up to this line. No, a boundary isn't conditional love. A boundary helps to magnify the love and intimacy in your relationship. The first strategy I have to offer you to build boundaries is called avoid takesies backsies. It will help you avoid sending mixed signals as you create a boundary. 
Because if you're inconsistent, it's not a boundary. When I was a little kid in the lunchroom, my classmates would put their food up for grabs. Who wants a peanut butter sandwich? When I offered my chips for their sandwich, they'd say, no takesies backsies. A boundary is when you let someone have their own consequence for their actions. No takesies backsies. Now, this is harder to do than you think. Because once you truly give your sweetheart the responsibility that is actually theirs, you may not like what they do with that responsibility. You liked having some control and a boundary. With a boundary, you relinquish that control. We all want to feel powerful and have things our own way, so we try to control a situation. How is setting a boundary different from being controlling? Okay, your sweetheart agrees to take out the trash. This wasn't a casual agreement. You stated a clear desire, asking cleanly, would you be the one in charge of seeing that the kitchen trash makes it to the curb for the trash to pick up? And your sweetheart agreed to make trash their job. But right now, as you're peeling the potatoes, you notice the kitchen trash is overflowing. Your sweetheart isn't keeping the agreement. This is the first time the trash has overflowed, and you want a happy home, so you tease your sweetheart. Looks like somebody's slacking. Your sweetheart jokes back, well, actually, no, there's all this room over here in the corner, and your sweetheart smooshes in the potato skins and takes the trash to the curb. A week later, however, there it is again, a full trash can, and this time you're holding that messy filter with yesterday's coffee grounds. Your sweetheart is nowhere in sight. You're frustrated. You had a clear agreement. Depending on your relationship history, it might be most gentle and kind to try the teasing method a time or two more, but don't let yourself get resentful. Only tease to lighten the mood of both. Only tease to lighten both of your moods. Don't tease if what you really want to do is yell and be mean because that meanness will just slide into your teasing and that can feel meanest of all. Instead, guide your sweetheart to the trash, clearly state you agreed to do this. This is the third time the trash can has been full and I'm trying to throw something away. What's up? This is clean, clear. You're affirming your sweetheart's ability to solve this problem on their own. When you point to the full trash can and expect your sweetheart to figure it out, you empower your sweetheart and you create that, the expectation that we're both adults in this house. I'm sure my sweetheart can figure this out. This is a tangible boundary. And this boundary works with most partners. But it's tempting to handle the full trash can moment differently, isn't it? Here's a couple other choices you might be tempted to make and they are takesies backsies. The first one, you take the trash out yourself. Now, this isn't necessarily a problem, but you're also violating the agreement that you made with your sweetheart. You never thought of it that way? It's easy to want to avoid the conflict of the moment or the hassle factor of waiting until your sweetheart sees the full trash can, but this is takesies backsies when you take the trash out yourself. You're taking back the task you agreed belongs to your sweetheart. This sends a mixed signal. 
One of the crucial elements to a good boundary is clarity. Takes these backsies muddies the waters. You're sending the message, I agree that you'll take out the trash except when I see the trash can is full first. (laughs) Instead of taking the trash out yourself, just wait for your sweetheart to take the trash out in their own timing. Okay, so that's one strategy. A second strategy is that you infantilize your sweetheart. You shame them. This second way you might be tempted to practice takes these backsies with the trash can moment is to belittle your sweetheart. I can't believe you can't do a simple thing like take out the trash. We've all done it, right? This does a great deal of long-term damage to your relationship. This is criticism. It's what relationship scientists John and Julie Gottman term one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. For your relationship, it spells danger. There is no long-term health in your relationship if criticism is prevalent. The Gottmans are famous for their love lab where they study couples. They bring couples into the love lab where the couple simply just interacts while scientists study their behaviors. And the Gottmans can predict, sometimes even within 90 seconds, whether a marriage will last a lifetime or end in divorce. Criticism attacks the person rather than focusing on the behavior. When you focus on the behavior, you empower a person to change that behavior. However, when you attack the person, you weaken your connection to your sweetheart. A good boundary doesn't weaken connection. It strengthens connection. Instead of criticizing your sweetheart's character, just stick to the facts of the trash can. The third way you might practice takesies backsies is to drown your sweetheart in solutions. You might be tempted to send a mixed signal about the trash can moment and provide a menu of solutions to your sweetheart. You try to solve the problem for them. You have great ideas for how your sweetheart can get the trash emptied. Sweetheart, how about you take the trash out the night before, right before you empty the coffee grounds? That way you won't forget. You are brilliant. You have a solution for everything. Except the entire reason your sweetheart drinks coffee in the morning is that their entire mental capacity depends upon it. They have zero ability to take out the trash until that coffee kicks in. You may think you're helping your sweetheart by giving them all sorts of ideas for how to stick to the agreement. But the truth is you're meddling. You're doing the opposite of empowering your sweetheart, and this is not a clean boundary. Instead of offering lots of solutions, trust your sweetheart to figure it out. Out of all the fabulous people in the world, you chose this phenomenal human being. Trust your choice. Trust your sweetheart. One more Takesies Backsies example. You make the trash can moment omnipotent. This fourth way that you might be tempted to handle the trash can moment is to make your sweetheart's lack of emptying that trash can mean the end of your relationship. 
you tell yourself a story about how your relationship is doomed because, see, my sweetheart won't even empty the trash. My sweetheart couldn't truly love me if they can't do a simple thing like take out the trash. <laughs> Again, we've all done it, right? We catastrophize these tiny moments. We make things mean more than they actually do. This might be because you're tired or because you and your sweetheart haven't had a fun, relaxing day in a long time. So your friendship is just a little rusty. It might be that you haven't had sex in a long time. Don't believe me about the sex? Think of a time you were upset at your sweetheart, and then after you've had a wonderful sexual encounter, suddenly that huge thing faded and was no big deal. This is because of all the happy hormones that flood your body after sex. It's real. A good boundary is just a tiny thing. Don't let it be more powerful than it is. When you infuse a boundary with all kinds of emotional weight, the situation gets confusing. You lose your clarity. Let the trash can just be about the trash. Instead of getting into your sweetheart's business, making the trash can mean more than it does, call your sweetheart's attention to the full trash can. Or wait until they see it and tend to it on their own. To avoid conflict and foster connection, this week's habit for your happily ever after is to think about a simple agreement you and your sweetheart have had in the past. Then take a look at that moment and notice How did you send mixed signals about that agreement? How did you practice takesies-backsies? The way we do one thing is the way we do most things. And when you can spot the mixed signals you give in one area of life, it will help you spot your tendency all over the place. It's not a boundary if you're not consistent. Avoid sending mixed signals by asking for precisely what you want. Then practice no takesies-backsies. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? Then I'd like to invite you to order my book, Six Steps to Better Marriage Communication. You'll get several more strategies to help you build boundaries. This chapter in particular has a tender story about how my marriage changed completely when I learned to stop practicing takesies backsies. It will help me if you click on the link in the show notes and pre-order my book, Six Steps to Better Marriage Communication. We've arrived at our date night discussion segment. This week, I invite you and your sweetheart to investigate the mixed signals you send. What kind of mixed signal do you tend to send? Do you think you're setting a boundary, but then if your sweetheart doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, you step in and do the task yourself? What does that look like at your house? Maybe you're more likely to shame your sweetheart when they don't do it right. How does that make you feel? How does that make your sweetheart feel? Do you drown your sweetheart in solutions for how they can do it better? Or if your sweetheart doesn't do the right thing or at the right time, 
do you make that mean that it's the end of your relationship? It helps to be able to say to your sweetheart, guess what? I think I'm sending mixed signals. This is kind to both of you. You're human. You're going to mess up. When you talk about this with your sweetheart, you create an atmosphere of forgiveness and gentleness in your relationship. I'd love to know how you send mixed signals. Because we can all learn from each other, right? And I definitely learn from you. I'd feel included in your life if you just send me a quick text that lets me know how you send mixed signals to your sweetheart. You can reach me at 970-210-4480. That's it for today. I'm Rebecca Mullen, and this has been Habits for Your Happily Ever After, where we get clear about your marriage communication. Because when your relationships are strong, you're better able to concentrate at work, reduce conflict at home, and receive support for your dreams so you can have the courage to live your best life. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd be grateful if you'd send a link to your friend. Habits for Your Happily Ever After is produced by Grace Smith. All our music and sound comes from Walk West Productions. I'm Rebecca Mullen. Thanks for including me in your relationship today.